chapter first of the heart of midlothian by sir walter scott this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by dion gines salt lake city utah whoever's been at paris must needs know the grave the fatal retreat of the unfortunate brave where honour and justice most oddly contribute to ease heroes pains by an halter and gibbet there death breaks the shackles which force had put on and the hangman completes what the judge but began there the squire of the poet and knight of the post find their pains no more balked and their hopes no more crossed prior in former times england had her tyburn to which the devoted victims of justice were conducted in solemn procession up what is now called oxford street in edinburgh a large open street or rather oblong square surrounded by high houses called the grass-market was used for the same melancholy purpose it was not ill-chosen for such a scene being of considerable extent and therefore fit to accommodate a great number of spectators such as are usually assembled by this melancholy spectacle on the other hand few of the houses which surround it were even in early times inhabited by persons of fashion so that those likely to be offended or over deeply affected by such unpleasant exhibitions were not in the way of having their quiet disturbed by them the houses in the grass market are generally speaking of a mean description yet the place is not without some features of grandeur being overhung by the southern side of the huge rock on which the castle stands and by the moss-grown battlements and turreted walls of that ancient fortress it was the custom until within these thirty years or thereabouts to use this esplanade for the scene of public executions the fatal day was announced to the public by the appearance of a huge black gallows tree towards the eastern end of the grass-market this ill-omened apparition was of great height with a scaffold surrounding it and a double ladder placed against it for the ascent of the unhappy criminal and executioner as this apparatus was always arranged before dawn it seemed as if the gallows had grown out of the earth in the course of one night like the production of some foul demon and i well remember the fright with which the schoolboys when i was one of their number used to regard these ominous signs of deadly preparation on the night after the execution the gallows again disappeared and was conveyed in silence and darkness to the place where it was usually deposited 
which was one of the vaults under the parliament house or courts of justice this mode of execution is now exchanged for one similar to that in front of newgate with what beneficial effect is uncertain the mental sufferings of the convict are indeed shortened he no longer stalks between the attendant clergyman dressed in his grave clothes through a considerable part of the city looking like a moving and walking corpse while yet an inhabitant of this world but as the ultimate purpose of punishment has in view the prevention of crimes it may at least be doubted whether in abridging the melancholy ceremony we have not in part diminished that appalling effect upon the spectators which is the useful end of all such inflictions and in consideration of which alone unless in very particular cases capital sentences can be altogether justified on the seventh day of september seventeen thirty six these ominous preparations for execution were descried in the place we have described and at an early hour the space around began to be occupied by several groups who gazed on the scaffold and gibbet with a stern and vindictive show of satisfaction very seldom testified by the populace whose good nature in most cases forgets the crime of the condemned person and dwells only on his misery but the act of which the expected culprit had been convicted was of a description calculated nearly and closely to awaken and irritate the resentful feelings of the multitude the tale is well known yet it is necessary to recapitulate its leading circumstances for the better understanding of what is to follow and the narrative may prove long but i trust not uninteresting even to those who have heard its general issue at any rate some detail is necessary in order to render intelligible the subsequent events of our narrative contraband trade though it strikes at the root of legitimate government by encroaching on its revenues though it injures the fair trader and debauches the mind of those who engage in it is not usually looked upon either by the vulgar or by their betters in a very heinous point of view on the contrary in those countries where it prevails the cleverest boldest and most intelligent of the peasantry are uniformly engaged in illicit transactions and very often with the sanction of the farmers and inferior gentry smuggling was almost universal in scotland in the reigns of george the first and second for the people unaccustomed to imposts and regarding them as an unjust aggression upon their ancient liberties made no scruple to elude them whenever it was possible to do so the county of fife bounded by two firths on the south and north and by the sea on the east and having a number of small seaports was long famed 
for maintaining successfully a contraband trade and as there were many seafaring men residing there who had been pirates and buccaneers in their youth there were not wanting a sufficient number of daring men to carry it on among these a fellow called andrew wilson originally a baker in the village of pathhead was particularly obnoxious to the revenue officers he was possessed of great personal strength courage and cunning was perfectly acquainted with the coast and capable of conducting the most desperate enterprises on several occasions he succeeded in baffling the pursuit and researches of the king's officers but he became so much the object of their suspicions and watchful attention that at length he was totally ruined by repeated seizures the man became desperate he considered himself as robbed and plundered and took it into his head that he had a right to make reprisals as he could find opportunity where the heart is prepared for evil opportunity is seldom long wanting this wilson learned that the collector of the customs at kirkaldy had come to pittenweem in the course of his official round of duty with a considerable sum of public money in his custody as the amount was greatly within the value of the goods which had been seized from him wilson felt no scruple of conscience in resolving to reimburse himself for his losses at the expense of the collector and the revenue he associated with himself one robertson and two other idle young men whom having been concerned in the same illicit trade he persuaded to view the transaction in the same justifiable light in which he himself considered it they watched the motions of the collector they broke forcibly into the house where he lodged wilson with two of his associates entering the collector's apartment while robertson the fourth kept watch at the door with a drawn cutlass in his hand the officer of the customs conceiving his life in danger escaped out of his bedroom window and fled in his shirt so that the plunderers with much ease possessed themselves of about two hundred pounds of public money the robbery was committed in a very audacious manner for several persons were passing in the street at the time but robertson representing the noise they heard as a dispute or fray betwixt the collector and the people of the house the worthy citizens of pittenweem felt themselves no way called on to interfere in behalf of the obnoxious revenue officer so satisfying themselves with this very superficial account of the matter like the levite in the parable they passed on the opposite side of the way an alarm was at length given military were called in the depredators were pursued the booty recovered and wilson and robertson tried and condemned to death chiefly on the evidence of an accomplice many thought that 
in consideration of the men's erroneous opinion of the nature of the action they had committed justice might have been satisfied with a less forfeiture than that of two lives on the other hand from the audacity of the fact a severe example was judged necessary and such was the opinion of the government when it became apparent that the sentence of death was to be executed files and other implements necessary for their escape were transmitted secretly to the culprits by a friend from without by these means they sawed a bar out of one of the prison windows and might have made their escape but for the obstinacy of wilson who as he was daringly resolute was doggedly pertinacious of his opinion his comrade robertson a young and slender man proposed to make the experiment of passing the foremost through the gap they had made and enlarging it from the outside if necessary to allow wilson free passage wilson however insisted on making the first experiment and being a robust and lusty man he not only found it impossible to get through betwixt the bars but by his struggles he jammed himself so fast that he was unable to draw his body back again in these circumstances discovery became unavoidable and sufficient precautions were taken by the jailer to prevent any repetition of the same attempt robertson uttered not a word of reflection on his companion for the consequences of his obstinacy but it appeared from the sequel that wilson's mind was deeply impressed with the recollection that but for him his comrade over whose mind he exercised considerable influence would not have engaged in the criminal enterprise which had terminated thus fatally and that now he had become his destroyer a second time since but for his obstinacy robertson might have effected his escape minds like wilson's even when exercised in evil practices sometimes retain the power of thinking and resolving with enthusiastic generosity his whole thoughts were now bent on the possibility of saving robertson's life without the least respect to his own the resolution which he adopted and the manner in which he carried it into effect were striking and unusual adjacent to the tolbooth or city jail of edinburgh is one of three churches into which the cathedral of st giles is now divided called from its vicinity the tolbooth church it was the custom that criminals under sentence of death were brought to this church with a sufficient guard to hear and join in public worship on the sabbath before execution it was supposed that the hearts of these unfortunate persons however hardened before against feelings of devotion could not but be accessible to them upon uniting their thoughts and voices for the last time along with their fellow-mortals in addressing their creator and to the rest of the congregation 
it was thought it could not but be impressive and affecting to find their devotions mingling with those who sent by the doom of an earthly tribunal to appear where the whole earth is judged might be considered as beings trembling on the verge of eternity the practice however edifying has been discontinued in consequence of the incident we are about to detail the clergyman whose duty it was to officiate in the tolbooth church had concluded an affecting discourse part of which was particularly directed to the unfortunate men wilson and robertson who were in the pew set apart for the persons in their unhappy situation each secured betwixt two soldiers of the city guard the clergyman had reminded them that the next congregation they must join would be that of the just or of the unjust that the psalms they now heard must be exchanged in the space of two brief days for eternal hallelujahs or eternal lamentations and that this fearful alternative must depend upon the state to which they might be able to bring their minds before the moment of awful preparation that they should not despair on account of the suddenness of the summons but rather to feel this comfort in their misery that though all who now lifted the voice or bent the knee in conjunction with them lay under the same sentence of certain death they only had the advantage of knowing the precise moment at which it should be executed upon them therefore urged the good man his voice trembling with emotion redeem the time my unhappy brethren which is yet left and remember that with the grace of him to whom space and time are but as nothing salvation may yet be assured even in the pittance of delay which the laws of your country afford you robertson was observed to weep at these words but wilson seemed as one whose brain had not entirely received their meaning or whose thoughts were deeply impressed with some different subject an expression so natural to a person in his situation that it excited neither suspicion nor surprise the benediction was pronounced as usual and the congregation was dismissed many lingering to indulge their curiosity with a more fixed look at the two criminals who now as well as their guards rose up as if to depart when the crowd should permit them a murmur of compassion was heard to pervade the spectators the more general perhaps on account of the alleviating circumstances of the case when all at once wilson who as we have already noticed was a very strong man seized two of the soldiers one with each hand and calling at the same time to his companion run geordie run threw himself on a third and fastened his teeth on the collar of his coat 
robertson stood for a second as if thunderstruck and unable to avail himself of the opportunity of escape but the cry of run run being echoed from many around whose feelings surprised them into a very natural interest in his behalf he shook off the grasp of the remaining soldier threw himself over the pew mixed with the dispersing congregation none of whom felt inclined to stop a poor wretch taking his last chance for his life gained the door of the church and was lost to all pursuit the generous intrepidity which wilson had displayed on this occasion augmented the feeling of compassion which attended his fate the public where their own prejudices are not concerned are easily engaged on the side of disinterestedness and humanity admired wilson's behaviour and rejoiced in robertson's escape this general feeling was so great that it excited a vague report that wilson should be rescued at the place of execution either by the mob or by some of his old associates or by some second extraordinary and unexpected exertion of strength and courage on his own part the magistrates thought it their duty to provide against the possibility of disturbance they ordered out for protection of the execution of the sentence the greater part of their own city guard under the command of captain porteus a man whose name became too memorable from the melancholy circumstances of the day and subsequent events it may be necessary to say a word about this person and the corps which he commanded but the subject is of importance sufficient to deserve another chapter End of chapter first